many people today, Christians included, are asking what's happening in the world. And so I thought I'd take a few moments to try to give you my interpretation of what's going on. I believe um, God is on the move. And uh, certainly this virus is an evil and um, deadly disease. But God's going to use this situation for good. Because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes and plan. And I believe that God himself is shaking heaven and earth. And we've talked about this in our church, about this shaking that was coming. And I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, and I'm sure you haven't either. And as I mentioned before, I don't think it's ever occurred in, the, in any of the generations of America, certainly. So we are living in interesting times, you know. And, and you know, uh, there's a certain element of fear that people are experiencing, but we have to be assured that God's in control. And he's got a plan to use this situation for good and do something amazing and powerful. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, please. I'll give you a moment to get there. I was going to teach on Hebrews in our school of ministry next. By the way, we've gone through quite a few books, and my plan is to get through the entire New Testament, all 27 books. And so we're moving, we're moving right along, and we're going to continue it, do it at virtual uh, until the time we can come back together and see each other face to face. But I, I felt like the Lord moved me from Hebrews to Revelation. So, and it's not Revelations, it's Revelation, okay? The book of Revelation, last book of the Bible. And it, I, I approach it with fear and trembling because uh, it's not that easy of a book to teach. And there's, it's open for a lot of interpretation. But I'll do my best because I think we're living in the end times now more than ever before. And uh, this book has something mighty to say to us. So that'll be our next school of ministry venture. Praise God, huh? All right. Here we are, Hebrews 12. And we're at 26. Everybody with me in the room? Yeah, we're here. How many we got here today? Nine. Nine. Nine of us. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to have the family here. You know, it's good when you can gather as a family and use this time to be together. Uh, we feel it's a time of rest for our family and uh, renewal. And, uh, you know, I'm continually uh, my progress to lose weight. And today I can say very... Not proudly, but I went down to 178. That's pretty good, starting at 200. So, hey, there's Oliver. All right, love you, Oliver. Oliver's joining us from England, Wimbledon. Uh, and uh, I would assume, Oliver, it's probably sometime in the evening over there. So we bless you, and we're so glad you're listening. By the word, by the way, pass the word and get, get this out. Uh, we can reach, well, we reach thousands on my podcast, which we are going to record today as well. And you will receive that podcast soon, right? Yep. And uh, we're over 200,000 podcast hits. That's a lot of people tuning in. I don't know who you are, where you are, and what you are, (laughs) but we're glad you're listening. Praise God. And you're being blessed by the eternal word of God. Amen. Verse 26, chapter 12. Whose voice then shook the earth. Now he has promised saying yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this... Yes, one more indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So God is shaking heaven and earth, I believe, through this global epidemic, this pandemic. I didn't say it was coming from God, but God is going to use this, you know, for for what the devil meant for evil, God can make for good. 
he's shaking the world, I believe, in this situation because it's worldwide. I mean, let's think about it. It isn't just America or California. Um, it goes around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the country in the worst shape is Italy right now. And we need to extend our prayers for them and everyone in the world. Um, but my personal belief is that God is going to use this shaking to bring about a change in the climate of the church and the world. Um, in the early church, the Bible says they turned the world upside down through their faith and their preaching and, uh, uh, of the gospel of Jesus. And so I believe, once again, God is going to change the fabric of the church itself. A new order of churches will arise during this time, come into notoriety. And I believe that God is going to change things dramatically. And the churches maybe that were so visible maybe will not be so visible. And churches that you've maybe never heard of, like perhaps us, is going to come up to the surface. You say, why, why Pastor Scott? Why, why would the Lord do that? Because in this last end time revival, this massive revival coming to the planet Earth, which I believe will probably begin in California, or at least in America, this will be the last push of the Holy Spirit because God loves mankind. God loves people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you and he cares for you and he wants to bring you into the kingdom. Now, if you're already a believer, praise God. Dedicate your life deeper to your walk in the Lord and the things of God. But the church is changing. I believe it's going to change. And uh, God says in the book of James, the latter and the former reign will come together. A lot of people have wondered what that means. But in my mind, what it means is the latter uh, or the former reign was Pentecost and now the latter reign's uh, about to occur. And it, God's going to bring them both together. So this last move of God will be greater, much greater than Pentecost. And it will be typified in my mind through signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, for some people, maybe that scares them a little bit. But let me tell you, Jesus performed the miraculous. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil. See, sickness is an oppression of the devil. And Jesus went about destroying the works of the devil and healing the sick and doing the miraculous. And he wants to do it again as a demonstration to the fact that God is alive and that he desires to bring people into the kingdom of God and it'll be a demonstration to the world. So I, I believe this next move of God and you say, Pastor, when will it happen? I don't know, but it's got to be close. We got to be getting close because we're in this epidemic right now. And I believe the epidemic will pass and uh, will recover. But things are being changed in the spiritual realm. And so this miracle working power will uh, exert itself upon planet Earth. And uh, some people, you know, think, well, I don't know about these miracles. You know, well, in Pente- at Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And they went out and did mighty miracles, signs and wonders. And uh, I believe God has saved the, le- the best for last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we are the last generation or nearly then God's saving the best. And you and I are part of that. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? And it's good to be in this generation. And so the Bible says, God says, I am for signs and wonders. So if God is for signs and wonders, guess what? I'm for signs and wonders. and I hope you are too. But it's not just about the miracles. They're great and they're wonderful. It's about the gospel being preached. 
It's about a net being spread over a large group of people and bringing them in. I heard one woman say, prophet, prophetess, she said she thought it could be a billion soul harvest. A billion souls. Now that's a lot of people. I felt it was going to be millions that would come into the, into the kingdom. And so God is going to reach out one time more and perhaps this could be the last chance for people to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So let's pray and believe God, right? And not fear in this crisis, but look forward to something great that's coming upon us and the world. Let's look at Isaiah 59, 19, please, in relationship to what we're talking about. Isaiah 59, 19. I love this verse. It's a great one that you can quote out loud and stand against the enemy. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Let me stop there for a moment. I believe that's one of the things we're going to see in this move of God. The glory of God is going to be revealed in a way that's never been revealed before. And um, we're going to read about how that glory will be seen upon us. And so when God manifests his glory, powerful and mighty things happen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. Certainly the enemy is coming like a flood, right guys? But God's going to lift up a standard against it and knock this virus out. Praise God. I really believe that. And uh, we just have to stand in faith and belief and prayer and just trust the Lord. Now let's go to Isaiah 60. We're going to read 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Certainly the darkness is covering the earth right now. And deep darkness the people. That's a, it's a deep and dark time for humanity right now. But the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, non-believers, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So that glory is going to draw people to Jesus Christ and draw them into the kingdom. And it will manifest itself in many ways, but one of the ways will be the miraculous power of God working. One more scripture in Isaiah, shall we? We're having fun, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, that's a good one, to console all those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's a heaviness on the earth right now, and we need the garment of praise to remove that heaviness off the earth. That they may be called trees of righteousness, I love that, the planting of the Lord, and that he may be glorified. Now, these are the words that Jesus quoted in his first sermon he ever preached in Capernaum. And you can read about it in Luke's gospel. And he came into his own town. You know, a prophet is not without honor except among his own people and his own family. And his own family and people rejected him. But God called him to the people, to the masses. And uh, this was the first message he ever preached. And, you know... It was a message to reach out to hurting humanity, hurting people. It was to bring a change to people's lives that would heal them, deliver them, and save them. The message, guys, is still the same today. 
We're doing the same thing. We're doing the works of Jesus. So this is Jesus' ministry right here. And we want to be a Jesus ministry, amen? Mm-hmm. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's continue. Now, last week, and by the way, I guess since we're not in church, I can go for a couple hours. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I won't do that. Uh, you know. But um, I'll respect your time because I know you've got time just to stay home and sit there and do nothing. But, uh, <laughs> it, hey, okay, Brian. It, it gets a little boring at times, doesn't it? Um, you know, um, thank goodness you can go out in your backyard, you know. Um, I believe according to Newsome, we're not even supposed to be out in the streets. Um, I'm not sure on that, but I thought that's what he said. Uh, we'll get a little more clarification on that, because I see a lot of people out in the streets. You say, what are you doing out there, Scott? Well, Meryl and I are in the car. I think you're okay in the car. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about that. Um, supposedly, you're supposed to just go out for, for medical reasons and food, yeah, and other things like that. All right. Praise God. Where were we? Oh, last week we started the seven things that defined the church. The ecclesia is the Greek word, the called out ones. People called out from a larger group as a smaller group, or what we would call a remnant of people, believers in Jesus. Amen? And we said there were seven characteristics of this mighty, powerful, glorious church. And we started with a chosen generation, a chosen offspring, I believe you and I were chosen for this time in this hour, in this moment, in time. Can we look at Esther 4, please, 14? It's interesting. I've always felt drawn to the book of Esther and uh, kind of felt like, you know, there's something uh, 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 prophetic there in Esther that needs to be looked at. Esther was this beautiful little girl, well, young girl, I should say, uh, who, who ended up being chosen by the king and became, out of obscurity, she became the queen of Persia. Mighty, impossible. Sometimes we think, how could we come out of obscurity and do something mar- uh, powerful and mighty? And, uh, well, this is an example of it right here. Uh, God is going to rise churches out of the dust of nowhere that were obscure and not seen, and they're going to come into notoriety, as I mentioned before. Uh, and God's going to use them in a powerful way. But there won't be the superstar anymore. You know, the, the day of the superstar is kind of gone in the church. Um, God said, no flesh will glory in my sight. So uh, the people that are going to be involved in leading this move of God are going to be humble people, uh, meek people, who have one goal in, in mind, and that's to serve the Lord and bring his message to people and the love of Christ. Esther 4.14 can you read that one, Kelly? Yeah. Okay. Okay. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I love that. For who knows whether you and I have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And I keep getting this verse over and over again. Uh, the Lord is faithful to me, and he takes me to a lot of passages that I have underlined in my Bible. And it's not by mistake, I believe, he's leading me there to, to hear what he's saying. And, uh, you know, believe the prophets and you'll prosper. And God reveals the, the, what he's doing to his prophets, to his men and women that are hearing from him, and to bring it to the people. And so who knows whether we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's what Esther did and uh, became the queen. And she delivered the Jews from disaster. And uh, it was all... 
due to her work and her commitment and her favor that was upon her. By the way, God's bringing favor back on the church, just like he brought favor to Esther. And that's why Esther was chosen by the king. Divine favor. I'm growing in favor with God with men. We say that every week, right? God wants to bring favor back on the church. And I believe this favor will not only affect communities and cities and different areas around the country uh, and world, but it's going to have an effect on government and media. And uh, isn't that an interesting word, media? Uh, and believe, believe me, we need to change somewhat in our media. Uh, and so God's going to move through there. And the, the story of what he's doing uh, will be seen and heard. I believe this fully. And it'll be something that the God will use the media to bring a blessing, amen, to humanity. Praise the Lord. Esther, a type of the church. By the way, Casey, you were saying that Esther means what? Hidden. Oh, yeah. 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 The church, in some ways, in some groups of the church, is hidden. Some churches are very visible. Other churches are hidden. But at this time and hour, God's going to change that, as I mentioned before. Number two, royal priesthood. And a royal means, and you'll appreciate this, Oliver, a king or a queen. And in the kingdom of God, there's a priestly fraternity, and an order that we're a part of. And uh, we are an order of priests. Now remember, the Old Testament it were the Levites. The Levites were the priests. And they were the ones to, call, uh, to perform animal sacrifices to cover the blood of the people, but it did not remove their blood, excuse me, did not remove their sin. And uh, it left them in a state of guilt and shame. Because the blood of goats and bulls can't take away sin. But John the Baptist said to Jesus when he first saw him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' blood took away the sin of the world. And all you have to do is receive that pardon into your life and ask Christ to come into your life and you will receive that pardon and your sins, the Lord would say, will be remembered no more. As far as the east is from the west, so I separated your sins from you. And you can't come before God in a sinful state. You have to come in a clean state, a holy state. And he has made us holy in him and righteous. Praise God. But we are after the order of Melchizedek. In the Old Testament, it was the Levites that were the priests. But that changed in the New Testament. And now we are after the order of Melchizedek, which does not come from the tribe of Levi. Levi. It comes from the tribe of Judah. And who came from the tribe of Judah? Jesus did. Isn't that awesome? So we are priests forever. As Christ is our high priest, we are priests and part of his priestly kingdom. Praise God. Now we'll be talking about that in a minute. The Bible says in Revelation 1.6, he has made us kings and priests. And then in, in Romans 15 or 5.17, can we turn over there very quickly? It talks about how we rule and reign in this life. Acts Romans, if you're looking for it. 5 and 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, that's Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in this life through the one Jesus Christ. Guys, you're called to reign in this life. You're called to be victorious in this life. You're called to be an overcomer, and that includes this COVID-19 virus. We can overcome it, guys, and it doesn't have to touch us. And so no plague will come near your dwelling, Psalm 91 once again. But we're called to reign in life, to be victorious in life. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory, our faith. 
and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, you're receiving faith today, supernatural faith that can change your life and the lives of people around you. Number four of these seven truths about the church, we're a holy nation, a people set apart, or a race, spiritual race, to bear the nature and holiness of God or to bear the likeness, likeliness of God. We're to look like God. Jesus, uh, the word of God says, as Jesus is, so are we in this life. You say, how can I look like God? Because you, are, you have been partnered with God and you've taken on his very nature if you're a believer in Christ. And now you have the nature of God inside you. And the new nature resembles God. Hallelujah. And it can do the miraculous and the powerful and the mighty. Praise God. We are his own special people, number five. We are his treasure. And we are the apple of his eye, according to Psalm 17.8. The apple of God's eye. He looks for you. I got a word years ago from Jeremiah 31.3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God loves his people with an everlasting love. And you are special in the eyes and heart of God. And God loves people, and he loves you, and he loves me. Praise God for that. Number six, we offer up sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 15, please. And we're going to finish here pretty soon. Hebrews 13, 15. Have another sip of coffee. Uh, hope you're cozy in your house. It was supposed to rain today here in Southern California, but I don't think it's going to rain. Does anybody know? Any meteorologists out there? Where's Fritz Coleman when you need him? Um, who's Fritz Coleman? <laughs> Channel 4 News. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. Those guys seem to go on forever, don't they? What's the other one? Dallas Rains. Good-looking guy, kind of wavy hair. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, who is him? The Lord. Let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. So we are called as priests in this new covenant, this new order after Melchizedek, to offer up praise and thanksgiving and worship. And the, what the Lord showed me is, worship will come back to the church like it's never been before. During the Jesus movement in the 60s, uh, there was a time, excuse me? I said, that'd be oh, awesome. Yeah, there was a time when music was arising, Christian music, like never before. And uh, these hippies, many of them were hippies, who came to Christ uh, were writing songs and performing music. And there was a wonderful spirit of praise and worship going on in the church. And that was certainly a move of God. But I think a greater experience of worship is coming upon the earth and the church. And God said in Acts 16, I'll raise up the tabernacle of David again. What was the tabernacle of David? David was the, the peak, the pinnacle of worship in the Bible. The highest pinnacle of worship was under David's ministry. It was a, 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 a ministry of joy and rejoicing and praise. And uh, we're going to sing the high praises of God again. And we're going to bring glory through our praise and worship. And that's what you're called to do in this life is to be a worshiper of God. If I've said so many times, my favorite time of the year is Christmas, and the wise men came to the feet of the child and said, we have come to worship him. That's why we're here. And that's why you're here, guys, and I'm here to worship the Lord. 
The last, number seven one, and I just want to spend a moment on this and then we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ in your life if you've never been born again. You know my story. On a balmy night, Palm Springs, California, at age 14, I was born again. And it forever changed my life. And out of that experience, I was called into the ministry to become a pastor and a preacher. Uh, God is calling people into the kingdom. Amen? Yeah. Calling them. Hallelujah. Brian says the forecast. <laughs> oh, there. Brian gave me the forecast. says maybe some rain after 5 p.m. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I like you guys giving input, too. Yeah. Feel free to say hi or, or whatever you want to do. But we, we like the input. So, you know. Anyway, you notice Marilyn painted the walls are beautiful, aren't they? I can see them, yeah. Uh, I like this behind me. It's a Tuscan picture of the nine trees. And um, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, that's another story. We've, we've been taken out of darkness into his glorious light. Look at Colossians 1.13. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. By the way, do you guys have anything to say in the room here? Anything? Keep going. Yeah, good. <laughs> and they went into the wee hours of the night. <laughs> Paul preached all night once and a guy fell out of the window and died. I mean, it's not funny, but in a way it kind of sounds funny. And then he went down and raised him from the dead. How do you like that? So was that, did that mean that Paul was boring? I don't think so. What's, what's she saying? Maggie says, love you guys and miss you. Great message today. Oh, thank you. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Brian says, I believe that they call that color mustard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good to talk to you guys in La La Land. Uh, <laughs> Colossians 1, 12. Uh, Kelly, you want to read again? Or I'm sorry, 13 and 14. Okay. Wait, 13 and 14? Yeah, chapter, chapter 1. Okay. He has delivered us from the saints... Oh, sorry. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the sun. That word conveyed means he's translated us or, or, or changed us into... Changed us into... The kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. So we are now in the light, guys. Uh, we are in the light. We are of the light. We are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Uh, I always think of San Francisco and uh, how it sits out there as a, as a big light and uh, can be seen for miles and miles and miles away. And uh, we are to be the light of the world. Amen. Now let's look at John 1.4, and we'll be finishing here soon. Don't forget to um, share your offerings with us. We appreciate it. It's a form of worship, as we've talked about. John 1.4. Okay. Casey, can you read that one? John 1.4. Real loud so they can hear you. Okay. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in Christ is life, and that life is in us, and that has become a light. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pentecost was characterized by a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak with other tongues and the, the mighty rushing wind came and then tongues of fire sat upon all 120 men and women in the upper room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit what we need now is an, a refilling of the Holy Spirit in the church Amen. and uh, you can ask God to do that anytime any moment and ask him to fill you once again with his power and his fire. See, I believe Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Or they said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with power. And Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You can't be a witness for God until you have his power. 
And uh, the greater the power, the greater the witness. Certainly we need a return of God's power to the church and his presence. The fire of God, I believe, is going to come back on the church. And uh, our God is a consuming fire. It's interesting that light and fire are synonymous in the word of God. And remember, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush that was not consumed. And uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And uh, there he commissioned Moses to deliver the people uh, from Egypt. And so Moses said, who do I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. Tell the I am sent me, sent you. Jesus said the same thing in John eight fifty eight, Before Abraham was, I am. End of discussion, Jesus is God. Hallelujah. Ezekiel saw the Lord in the first chapter, verses 26 through 28. He saw the Lord full of fire and a brilliant light surrounded him. The Lord, the, the Lord led the children of Israel with a cloud by day and a fire by night. Pretty awesome. Above the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, between the two cherubim, there's what they call the blue flame or fire, or shimmering mist, which we know of as the Shekinah glory. And that's another thing I believe God's going to manifest his Shekinah glory in the church very soon. And it will be seen by all. It will be something physically that you can see, a shimmering mist. The very presence of God being manifested. And for our last scripture, let's go to the book of Revelation. Let's go to the Isle of Patmos. I've never been to Patmos, but would like to go. My mom went there. Really? Yeah. And she saw the place where John was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. They say they tried to, tradition says they tried to kill John and boil him in hot oil. It didn't work. And uh, he was the only, uh, of the 12 apostles, he was the only one not martyred. Or maybe I should say 11 apostles, but I'm sure Matthias was included in that. Because God had a special purpose for John, and uh, that purpose was one of the reasons was to write this book of Revelation. And this is where he had the vision in prison on the island of Patmos. Interesting. <laughs> okay, um, Kelly, can I ask you to read again? Yes. Uh, Revelation 1, 9 through 17. Yeah, a little bit of portion. But this is what John saw. And whatever he saw, he wrote down. This is Revelation 1, 9 through 17. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, 
Out of his mouth went a two-edged sharp sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Very good. Thank you. So much for a wimpy Jesus. (laughs) Um, This is Jesus revealed in all his glory and strength and power. And uh, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So what I'd like to do now is if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into your life. Or perhaps you are a Christian and you want to make a deeper commitment. You want to re-consecrate yourself and rededicate yourself to the Lord, to the Word of God, and to living this Christian experience even in a deeper and more profound way. So uh, would you pray this prayer? You, don't, you could pray it out loud if you want to, if you want to pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sins and trespasses and the things that I've done against you in the Word of God. I thank you, though, for the forgiveness that's found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I receive the blood of Christ, and that blood removes all sin. I give thanks and praise, and I ask you now to be my personal Lord and Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life, Lord Jesus, and I will give my life to serving you. I love you and praise you and bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.